listening to the Evolution Exchange Australia podcast. We bring together the best technical leaders from across the industry to discuss challenges, passions, and ideas. I'm Indiana Adams, and I connect businesses with tech talent. And today, I'm your host. This podcast is being recorded on Gadigal land. We pay our respects to the traditional custodians of this country and elders past and present. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Evolution Exchange Australia podcast. Today, we'll be discussing the best practices for platform engineering adoption while maintaining a DevOps culture. Today, I'm joined by Chetna, Associate Director of Product Engineering at Optus, Anton, Senior Platform Engineering Manager at Coles, Neha, DevOps Manager at Class PTY Limited, and Vikas, Lead Platform Engineer at Coles. Before we delve deeper into the topic, let's work our way around the room with some introductions. Neha, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, sure. So, hi, everyone. I'm Neha. Um, I'm working as a DevOps manager at Class. Um, I have more than 15 years of IT industry experience. Um, in my current role, I'm focused around platform engineering, infrastructure as code, reliability, observability, security, and management. Um, I have development and um, automation testing experience. Um, and a good solid background. So yeah, and I'm currently in charge of a very super efficient team at class. Um, and I thoroughly enjoy working with them. Other than work, I enjoy playing with my kids um, and spending time playing cricket or whatever game that they basically play just to get involved with them more. And yeah, I'm really excited to be here today. Brilliant, thank you. Anton? Oh, hi team. My name is Anton and um... I work as a senior engineer and manager for Calls uh, Digital. Uh, I've got roughly 15 plus years experience also in the IT industry. Uh, my background is a software engineer, so I'm coming more from software engineering in the cloud and automation story. And uh, over the last recent maybe five, six, seven years, I mostly focused on cloud engineering, DevOps, platform engineering, worked in the different companies. And nowadays I work for Calls um, Digital. You can think about Call.com.au website and also our two awesome applications for Android and uh, iOS. Um, yeah, outside of work, um, I do indoor rock climbing. It's been going on for a couple of years. And apart from that, um, household routines, family routines, and um, Xbox, Xbox uh, gaming. Yay. Hey, thank you. Hey, good morning, everyone. Uh, I'm Chetna Krishna Kumar, and uh, this is my first podcast. I'm super excited to be here today. Uh, at present, I am the Associate Director of Engineering at Optus for the Living Networks Initiative. Uh, as you all know, Optus is a well-known telecom and internet provider in Australia, and Living Network is one of Optus's niche initiative, which aims to provide more control uh, than just talk to all of the customers. And my role on the team is to lead the engineering design, implementation, and delivery in the space for living network uh, for all of the multiple products. Uh, I'm pretty recent Optus. Before Optus, I was with Atlassian, a company that's well known for their SaaS products like Jira and Confluence. I've had worked in multiple capabilities with them across testing, DevOps, you know, platform engineering, product engineering, and also uh, you know, as a developer. Uh, a bit about my passion, I'm really passionate about delivering innovation and values to customer. I really cherish teamwork and I work closely with the product managers, designers, architect, 
uh, data and the technology engineers along with the DevOps team to make products happen. Um, I do like to build and grow high-performing teams and unleash the individual's potential to achieve their best. Um, I am also a developer experience enthusiast because I think that's been my biggest passion lately. And I always look for ways to make software development and delivery easy and fun for all of the engineers. Uh, that is why I'm here today to learn more from everyone uh, and their experience in platform engineering. Outside of work, I have a garden and I'm a bit of a vegetable farmer. I have a, I'm a musician and I'm a vocalist. I do enjoy spending time with my kids on their art, craft, efforts, especially painting. Aya, thanks for having me today and I look forward uh, for our discussion on the topic. Brilliant, thank you so much. And last but not least, Vikas. Hello guys, uh, my name is Vikas Koshik and I am working as a lead platform engineer in Coles Group, uh, Coles Digital. We are a squad that uh, takes care of uh, setting up like developer platforms and kind of a self-service for uh, Coles Digital commerce side of things of the business. I have uh, a decade and a half uh, of hands-on experience in different sectors like banking, retail, telecom, uh, in different regions of the world. Uh, other than work, I'm a bit passionate about fitness, running, uh, gym, and I do love cooking as well. Like It's kind of a meditation for me. And uh, also a bit of an amateur handyman, so sometimes I like to build small things in the house. Uh, yeah, that's that's for me, and I'm really excited to be here and looking forward for a good conversation. Brilliant, thank you. I love all the varying um, hobbies and interests. We have all been brought here today um, because you've either got the background or the interest in uh, the topic at hand, which is best practices for platform engineering adoption while maintaining a DevOps culture. So as usual, I'm going to go around the room and um, reference back to the topic with sub questions and um, a few statements. So I'm going to first start with what does success look like for platform engineering teams in a DevOps culture? Uh, Anton, do you want to start us off? Yeah, absolutely. So the question is, how does success look in uh, DevOps and the platform engineering scores, right? So um, very good question, right? Now, what What is the end goal for our journey, I guess, right? So there are a couple of things I would like to unpack and highlight here, right? And see how other members gonna also put their feedback forward. So for us, what's what's the most important thing for us? Our customers, right? So it starts with a customer, I think. We are kind of customer focusing squads generally. And our customers are not probably business people, uh, they are developers, they're software engineers, they're basically alike to us. And the sole purpose for us is to serve other engineering squads, right? And uh, this is both, I guess, mission statement, passion, but um, uh, also kind of their journey, right? We're a couple of varieties here. We've got front-end engineers, of course, depending where you work, right? We've got front-end engineers, right? Uh, we do have very different problems to solve. Uh, we've got backend engineers, right? All the APIs, all the backend APIs, right? And then maybe in some pockets we can have specialized systems, right? You think about legacy system, you can think about, I don't know, Salesforce, right? Very, very spe specialized systems. Mobile engineering, absolutely difficult and a different area, most importantly, to solve, right? And um, yeah, th those are our um, customers. So that's basically set us to the idea how the success looks like, right? Uh, from my perspective, it's uh, very important to 
uh, fast track, let's say, fast track delivery across all the squads. First of all, uh, take your application from a laptop, move as far as soon as possible to, to the production, right? So that's the first idea, uh, delivery speed, right? Second idea, probably uh, be very compassionate to uh, peer engineers and understand a little thing about developer experience, right? So make sure that our engineer squads have a great time, Supp they're supported, they do have great tooling, right? Uh, all, the, all the blockers are, are blocked, right? They go away. Uh, and so other engineering squads can, you know, deliver value fast, right? So there's a couple of ideas I think we've got in mind, at least from my perspective. Surely there are more. Um, and yeah, maybe Nika or Vikas can carry on on this topic. Yeah. Yeah, okay, I'll jump in. Yeah, excellent question, um, especially around um, the people who are now entering into platform engineering space. This term itself is kind of very famous nowadays, what platform engineers do, how different they are from DevOps engineers and stuff. Uh, but uh, again, going back to the topic, as, as Anton mentioned, our customers are developers. Majority of the time, it could be testers, it could be automation engineers as well, making them happy and also creating a sort of platform for them so they can that can decrease the time for the deployment and also not all the all the devs right now it's like the industry is like uh kind of very hyped that you have to learn this tool that tool there's a lot to learn and developers let's say if you are hiring a c-sharp de developer and we are putting that on top of his head that you do uh, learn what kubernetes are docker is and learn what pod is or a node is or what platform system looks like and stuff i think it's basically just removing some of the extra overhead that we are creating off the uh, devs head and giving them a so sort of confidence that there's a platform engineering team and that they are there to help you and creating an abstract sort of environment for them that um uh, or, or an abstract layer where they can probably be confident enough to you know spin up an environment or deploy a code easily yeah thank you Sure, sure. So, uh, in in my perspective, success is, is is very hard to measure for platform engineering because we do not have direct metrics, say how many microservices we are deploying or what features we are deploying every day. Since our end customers are all developers, so in my opinion, collaboration, communication, constant feedback with the developers and thinking what they're really looking for is sort of a matrix uh, where we want to give them a improved a developer experience. So those, so we do not have direct like number metrics, but constant feedback with the team, understanding what their needs are. And again, like as everyone mentioned, uh, they already have like so much cognitive load on them to, you know, learn all these technologies. So just offload their work a bit and, you know, give them standardized uh, pipelines, tools, and standardized processes and easy to use quick self-service solutions, which can improve their experience. So yeah, and there are multiple other um, fields like creating a scalable environment where you can auto-scale or it should be efficient. And as, as Anton and Neha said already that time to market or going from laptop to directly to production should be minimized. So these are some of the uh, metrics that we can be judged upon and we can uh, see our success, how it will look like for us. Great, thank you. Um, I think the question is, 
what does success look like for platform engineering? And I think that's a very difficult one to answer, mainly because platform engineering is a very niche area and our customers are intimate, right? We have customers who are developers or testers or even DevOps engineers in this case. And it's hard to kind of measure success when it comes to anything that's platform because you need uh, somebody to influence the adoption of every tool that you build. And it's not very easy and adopted across multiple um, teams very easily as well. So I think a few things that definitely factor into platforms is how easy the, t the tools those are built are to use uh, and how easily uh, developers can adopt these tools. And uh, definitely as Anton and you know everybody else mentioned, it's uh, how fast we can actually deliver to customers. Um, I think that's going to be the biggest measure of success. And apart from that, um, it's the security and the compliance uh, informations that we can bring along the tooling is what I'm thinking. And also if we can make reliability easy by also bringing tools around monitoring um, and analytics, right? So that way some of the uh, common patterns are really not repeated across multiple microservices that we build. Um, and how efficiently this gets used and uh, and I think it's also about the standards that platform engineering would set up for the rest of the organization as a whole. Uh, it, it's kind of all over the place, but I think, yes, uh, if we were to measure success, it would be definitely difficult, but we might have to consider multiple parameters to make that happen. Brilliant. Thank you. That leads into my next question. Uh, so I want to talk with you all more about how does site reliability engineering fit in with platform engineering and DevOps teams? Nia, would you like to kick us off? Yeah, sure. Um, so for me, SRE site reliability engineering, right? So it's um, that team is probably more focused around observability, uptime, memory CPU utilizations, throughput, maintaining the system, and probably you know keeping the lights on. So these are the main roles and responsibility of SRE team. Um, but if you look at these um, the roles where they come from, so especially you know the big companies like Google. Um, Atlassian, um, these are heaps, they are giants, um, and um, they are keep experimenting with their stuff. They have number of processes and they are like on top of on top of their game always. So for them, I think it's it's uh, it's feasible to have multiple things. So for example, SRE just focusing on the 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 stuff that I mentioned, and then DevOps doing the more of a practice sort of work and platform engineering in charge of platform. The platforms and probably application support team and and multiple like that so for those companies i think it's uh, it's good to have a, a dedicated team doing a set of work but uh, for so smaller companies um this thing probably may or may not work so maybe you can find some company uh, will very where there will be a um, sre team doing different roles um plus the SRE role. So they might be, you know, in charge of certain platforms or could be load environment or could be the production environment, not just, you know, uh, making sure that observability is is there. Um, so it just depends on uh, company to company. So for some companies, it might not be feasible to have an SRE team or they probably will have just one platforms engineering team, you know, wearing multiple hats, doing things, even for my team as well. We don't have um, all these sort of teams. We have DevOps engineering team and we do, you know, way more than stuff what DevOps can do probably in a, in Devo in a Google or company like Atlassian. Yeah. Thank you. And Tom? 
Yeah, but that's a very good question. I think it has to do with cognitive overload. And it's already been mentioned that uh, nowadays cognitive overload um, on software engineers or generally on engineers absolutely, absolutely ridiculous compared to what I think it used to be right back in the day. So nowadays you need to know so many things on the cloud. You need to know CICD. You need to know gazillion, literally gazillion of the tools, right? And so this is where platform engineering kicks in, right? We help with maybe reducing that cognitive overload. So you can actually focus on your work as a software engineer, right? Not the boilerplating, not like boring plumbing, right? Uh, and again, learning like 20 different tools to do the job, right? And the same, same thing happens, I think, in the SRE. But here, uh, I think mechanic is slightly different because uh, the margin of error is so small. Like SRE, SRE people work, uh, ops people, even ops people, right? Uh, we work in a pretty aggressive environment in a sense. So think about this one, 24-7 services, right? Uh, right? Website or mobile app or anything of that sort. So it's 24-7 scale. It's a massive blast radius for, uh, for users, right? When something doesn't work, everybody's going to complain about that, right? Uh, and then, uh, as Nika said, we don't have unlimited engineering capability as simple as that uh, we've got restraints by budgets we also need to hire specific uh, skill set or anything of that sort right so it boils down to to the idea that we cannot scale through through people it's just not scalable strategy right we need to go back to basics uh, and the key here is automation right well if we're gonna identify the scalable patterns or a limited number of scal scalable patterns or maybe a limited amount of technologies, right? Don't use 20 different technologies or tools, use only three, right? Why? Well, because we're 24-7, right? We really need to know our stuff, right? Uh, up front before putting into production, but also we need to know uh, our stuff once production is done, right? Skills matter, automation matter, right? And so this is where I think platform engineering unavoidably helping SRE, not only software engineers, but also SRE, will be coming up with scalable uh, alerting story, right? Maybe remediation, maybe playbooks, anything of that sort. But what we bring to the table is that software engineering expertise, software engineering practice, and we, and basically automation kind of practice, right? So it was a limited amount of engineers, again, whether that's software engineers or SRE engineers, you can do more work, right? And scale for automation, not people. Um, but yeah, that's only, guys, um, my experience, right? Let's see what other members going to say. Thank you. For me personally, I think SRE again is one of the consumers of platform engineering. Uh, I can briefly talk about my experience from Atlassian here, right? I think we have a SRE team and uh, they are the consumers of the applications we build, mainly because they are the front face of all of services and they are the actual handles behind keeping them reliable and making sure there is a proper customer experience in front of it. Um, so for us, I think they are our consultants. So we would kind of consult them from time to time to make sure that the microservices are up to the mark and they are production ready because I think they have brilliant knowledge and information on what a production ready system would look like. So when we are talking in terms of making sure we can actually shift a service from directly from a developer machine to the production service, we definitely need SRE's guidance in this scenario for us to make sure that, you know, bring in the best reliable factors, what we need to look into uh, to ensure that monitoring is in place, 
you know, we have a hundred percent availability of the systems and services available uh, for most of the best customer experiences we provide. Um, so again, SRE would be one of the stakeholders in our biggest engineering team. And we were to kind of make sure that, uh, you know, we bring them along the journey of building the product. Uh, we would also kind of give them the insight into what the product is meant to do, you know, what the uh, API SLAs are, what we should be monitoring um, and information around it. And I think it's it's more of a partnership in this scenario for us to kind of work together and build the best customer experience, right? Because at the end of the day, I think customer is what we all are climbing for. And uh, that's where SRE could send for me. Even as a platform engineer, I would definitely require their guidance if they exist to make sure, you know, that we build the best quality service that we provide. Great. Thank you, Vikas. Yeah, uh, thanks for that. That's a good question. And uh... I think I think I'll have a I have a different perspective in that sense. Um, it depends on the organization. How big is the organization? As Nina mentioned, like big organizations can you know afford to have a separate team. It depends on the on the organization how technical it is, or is it like a business sort of a company or insurance company? It depends um, what your company uh, layout is like. Can you afford a separate SRE, or if you cannot, then maybe scale up. Well, people within the platform team up to a, a SRE level and maybe set some patterns in the in the first go itself that can actually go help SRE or if you got people of SRE expertise in your team itself uh, and then they can build up on whatever you have built in the first place. So yeah, it, it, it is a constant collaboration, uh, be it a separate team or within the team. But it's a constant collaboration between platform team and SRE team to, you know, build up a more resilient, scalable, efficient sort of a system. So, yeah, I mean, it's and the, the work in, in general is so overlapping in every every sense between DevOps and platform and SREs that it's hard to, you know, draw a line between them. So it all depends on on how you want to deliver it and how you want to have SRE engineers, like you want to have a separate team or within the same team. But yeah, they, they work hand in hand with platform engineering and they are just an extension to each other. Yeah, And can I just expand to what Anton mentioned? So Anton did touch on the automation part. I think for the SRE team and if the system is like 24 seven live, um, you need to have that team sort of scattered um, around multiple um, regions, right? So, but again, it depends on how big your business is, right? So if you are Australia centric, you probably would need the team to again, work seven to seven probably and make, you know, continuously watching, keeping the lights up um, and stuff. But I think that another component is, which is really important is to add the automation. So for example, not just watching with your eye or constantly looking at the dashboard, staring at the dashboard and stuff. I think it's really important to have some good alerts mechanism set up. Um, I'm a huge believer on observability. I'd set up observability by myself. So which which probably gives, it's a good sort of automation that probably points that, okay, something has failed, where it has failed and why it has failed. So it gives you kind of good tracing and you can build up an automation. So not just, you know, watching it, something happen just you know get that alert um hook it in either on your mobile or something like that and then again create a self-healing system that's another very important thing something has failed not that 
it requires manual intervention all the time. I think it's uh, with the technology space, we can easily build that, okay, some sort of system that alert has occurred, but how we can again build up a mechanism self-healing that it can auto-recover probably just bring down that instance and skill and spin up another one. I mean, half of the problem we know that gets resolved by just restarting the services, right? Just do a restart, half the problems will be resolved. So I think the having the good automation um, in the SRE space or or probably whoever is the SRE in charge in your team is 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 important. Yeah. Brilliant. Thank you. So that sort of leads me into my next question uh, to do with different skills and activities associated with in your platform teams and your DevOps teams. Um, I know it'll all be a little different because you've all come from different size companies. Um, because would you like to start us off with that? Yep, and uh, it's a good question to be um, asked so that uh, possibly the skill set that you would need for a platform engineering would be a mixed bunch of people who has different expertise and they all cannot be on the same page all the time because they will have different backgrounds like someone coming from a system admin background someone is a developer it's good to have a mixed bunch of people and uh, yeah if you can build up a team who in which you have good sort of documentation around sharing collaboration sharing uh, you know docos trainings whatnot within your team and built up on that as a team effort rather than, you know, one guy being expert in everything, uh, that's not going to happen. So, yeah, keeping a mixed bunch of people who have experience on CICD or, say, containerization software like Kubernetes, and then you got um, orchestration and containerization tools. And then uh, if someone comes from a DevX background, there is... Uh, good as well because you are sitting so close with developers you need to understand their pain and work on that as well so a mixed bunch of people and me actually i'll include uh, an, uh, a guy with or uh, someone with a sre experience as well so just a mixed bunch of skill set is uh, uh, should be an ideal platform team in my opinion brilliant thank you anton would you like to add to that I don't know what to add because I can't agree more with Vikas. So from my experience, the most successful uh, platform or DevOps team comes with a diversified kind of skill set. And that's, I think, very important. So you definitely would want to start with a 50-50 split between software engineers and then infra or ops engineering, right? You get software, you've got infra, that's it. That's a good start for success. Why? Well, because you can uh, talk to languages. You can, you can talk infrastructure, you can talk also software engineering, right? That team is going to be much more successful compared to um, only, for example, unbalanced team, right? Only software or only infra, right? If you have only infra engineers in the platform squad, it's probably going to be problematic because you're going to be having that constant fight between infra versus software, right? Um, you're not getting to uh, DevOps culture or platform engineer culture, right? So yeah, can't agree more with Vikas. That's where you start. Uh, you start with a software engineer, infra engineers 50-50, and then depending on what kind of situation you have, are you a small startup, are you a big enterprise, are you kind of, I don't know, scale up, what kind of work you do, right? You may want to add um, SRE engineer, you may want to add 
uh, network engineer or maybe security. Like think about you just a small startup before IPO or anything of that sort. Yeah, security engineer makes sense, right? You don't want to have a dedicated team and then two teams not talking to each other. Kind of makes sense, right? Uh, more importantly, again, you're understanding customer pain, right? You've got lots different backgrounds. So you can talk to different people and understand the pain, right? Um, on top of that, I would... I would love to think about scalable automation, that whole idea of reducing cognitive overload, not throwing more people in the team, but rather focusing on non-linear, non-linear scalability for automation. So your mindset should be all about hundreds, right? You don't think about one unique microservice. You don't think about one unique pipeline, right? You're basically thinking about hundreds, right? All every single day. You're asking yourself, okay, how can I do the same thing across hundreds of teams, across hundreds of microservices, right? You're building microservice. Okay, ask yourself, how can I do the same thing 100 times, right? Without adding people. So that's the key, right? So once you get that mindset, you can scale through automation and serve more customers, move more work without adding people, right? So that's going to be, I guess, my takeaway on top of uh, what already Vic has highlighted. Brilliant, thank you. Um, yeah, I think that's an interesting question. Like again, like you know, I agree with both Vikas and Anton here. This I think it also depends on the scale of the organization. And very importantly, we do need a mixed bag of skills to make platform engineering happen. Um, and very importantly, I think uh, you know, it needs to span across um collaborations for most parts because I think they have multiple stakeholders. They need to be uh developers themselves because you know they need to kind of understand uh, who they're building the tools for because developers are not very uh, open when it comes to the requirements right it's like hey i just understand this and i expect somebody to build a tool for me uh, with that understanding is the pearl, uh, probably a developer mindset and i think we should also be looking at how to build uh, engineering at scale very similar to what anton mentioned right uh, we should be looking at how we could probably uh, the tool that a single um, team is building, how it can be used across multiple different teams. I think uh, that would be another big focus for me in terms of uh, having the right skill for platform engineering. And apart from that, uh, it also depends on the company and their infrastructure in itself, because, you know, these days, cloud is quite popular, um, uh, Kubernetes is popular, orchestration is popular. Um, Docker is important, right? So we can actually keep talking about multiple skills. Those are available, uh, but it's equally important that, you know, uh, at any point in time, we should be able to work together. And I think that is a very important skill across all of the engineering that I would be looking for personally. Thank you. Nia? Yes, 100% agree uh, with what being said. Um, I'm currently hiring right now, so looking for a DevOps engineer in my team. Um, again, I have very specific sales sheet now was, was saying that depends on the company, the tool set that we have. So we are AWS, so I would definitely want someone to have that cloud, uh, specifically AWS experience or expertise. Uh, we are building a system, um, which is again, specific around uh, how we are going to monitor how we, and especially for the platform space, um, the number of BAUs are huge. So everybody is just look up to platform things. Something is broken. What what has happened? How that can be fixed? So having that uh, sort of mindset, you know, um, keeping yourself calm uh, and relaxed, and also being in a supportive um, 
um, environment that yes, I, we are there for you. We are going to fix a problem for you, and uh, and and just you know go with the flow and adjust well within the team. Um, and also touching base to what again Chetna mentioned that keyword need is Docker understanding the principle of infrastructure as code is extremely important important because again you can do version version control on the code that you have written you don't have to spin up the uh, servers manually everything is like documented it's in your uh, in your yaml file or in your cdk file you can just spin up with your one button click in and stuff um another thing i would say is um understanding of a industry agnostic language so it could be a go or python um scripting experience expertise um is is extremely important in that space yeah thank you i'll hand it back over to anton yeah um we touched base on uh, technology right uh, basically we discussed uh, about uh, technology right now but i think um ways of working and non-technology side of all those things is equally uh, important, right? So basically each problem can be seen uh, from two sides. The first one is a yeah, technology problem, right? No brainer, we're going to put that piece of technology, we're going to use, I don't know, Python Go, that's it, done and dusted, right? Uh, but when I think, based again on my experience, it's often overlooked the non-technology side of the things and basically ways of working, uh, mindset, championing things, adopting things, uh, pairing, working together, all that kind of stuff, right? It's not not uncommon to kind of put a paper checks. Yeah, we've got DevOps, we've got Agile in our organization, but when you join an organization and it doesn't seem to be maybe true, uh, we still got silences, right? Different teams now talking to each other, right? So I think um, Platform engineers, DevOps engineers, any centralized kind of team serving our engineer squad got a massive, absolutely ridiculously unique opportunity to champion ways of working and extend the uh, informal influence on kind of pairing, teaching different teams together, right? A classic example, you've got front-end team, you've got BFF team, maybe not necessarily they're working together, right? And so as a DevOps engineer, you can bring those uh, teams together, you can bridge that, you can facilitate that collaboration, right? Then you can also influence ways of working, saying, hey, I lead by example, our team adopted Scrum, we've got, for example, uh, sprint planning, here's our Jira, here's uh, our retros, everything is public, right? Uh, we're leading by example, we're sharing, right? So why won't you join our path, right? And more importantly, you also can demonstrate by example that you are alike, you work the same way, right? You apply the same principle, uh, you treat yourself as an engineer in squad the same way as other engineers in squad treat themselves, right? That helps a lot, I think, right? And I'm just curious how your experience on that kind of non-technology angle of engineering looks like and what your experiences maybe and um, good or bad stories are. Um... I think breaking the silos is, is extremely important coming out of that sort of zone. And that again, actually applied to me. I was, I was very happy, you know, just working by myself initially when I started my career and just, you know, do the task which is assigned to me. So it took me some time to again, uh, push myself out from that sort of zone. And again, um, in, in the current position we are now, um, as a DevOps manager, I have to work with the other managers from the software, from the test team. And again, it's a, it's a good platform. We have created a small group um, in, in class. We call it as prodigies. And we are really proud of that group. 
Um, that small group is basically composed of all the leaders, all the tech leaders, and we just talk about tech. So we just come together, especially as a DevOps manager, I have to drive projects like migrations, right? So database migration, moving from SQL to RDS, or probably um, we recently, sorry, shit, <laughs> but migrating from Bitbucket to GitHub. Uh, GitHub is sort of very, very popular. And, and probably experimenting more around GitHub, GitHub action and stuff. So that those sort of conversation is not just, you're not limited to one particular team. If you're making the changes like these or running the project like this, you need to involve other team members and, and, and take them along with your journey and have again in your PI planning or stuff you you when you plan this kind of work, make sure that everybody is aligned. They need to know what exactly work that they have to do. Um, and also, I think that that point was touched somewhere in the conversation. Um, in DevOps space, there are so many, so many applications. There's so many tool set. It, it just confuses. And and that, like every time there's new, more new things which are coming up in the market. So for example, even for the monitoring system, we have Somo Logic, we have Datadog, we have New Relic, and so many things. Which one to choose? Which one is the best? And I think um, having that sort of conversation really helped me. Um, and choosing which one and doing a proof of concept um, and taking that along and uh, running that as a project. Yeah. Jetha? Oh, brilliant. I think just to add to what Neha said right now, right? Uh, for me, I think uh, it's also important for our engineers or the uh, people on the platform team to be robust or kind of abreast with technology, kind of keep a lookout for what's coming or what's happening in the market, right? Because technology is a always evolving space and we would always want to kind of adopt to the latest in the market. Um, and having that passion towards technology would definitely be a good skill to have uh, when we are looking at somebody on the platform engineering teams. I think I should go last because everyone seems to be enjoying this topic a lot. And I am a big fan of human side of things when it comes to technology. Like I really like to have people with good energy in the team and like people who are happy to take feedback and adapt to uh, constant feedback. Like if and happy to work on new technologies and, you know, prototype things and showcase it to our customers and see how it goes. So people with good energy, good mindset to learn something new, be comfortable while being uncomfortable. I don't know whether that makes sense, but yeah, these things I look for in a in a good good sort of a bunch of a platform team here. Thank you. On that topic, I'd love to hear from you all about how you sort of seek out or find those types of developers and team leads and if there's certain skills or I don't know personality attributes that you can pick up very easily in an interviewing process or if it's something you sort of find out through working with them more I know you've probably all come into teams with existing members and you know you've need to hire for you for yourself but yeah just a bit on I guess the way you sort of flag those types of personalities that you think would fit in well with your team because would you like to go first? I think I, I should give this opportunity to Anton. Anton seems to be so excited to talk about <laughs> this. Anton, you want to go first? <laughs> definitely, definitely. I, I am happy to go with that one. So the question is, how do we find um, great people to join platform engineering squad, maybe DevOps, all the kind of uh, sh sh shared uh, services course? Um, 
And I don't have a right, a good answer here, to be honest, right? It's so much contextual. I think we can agree on this one. And I think we need to start with a problem. What is the problem we're trying to solve, right? Again, um, you've got a small startup, your problem is going to be very different to maybe a large uh, enterprise or a, a bank or anything of that sort, right? You always need to look into the root cause. What is it we're trying to solve, right? Uh, so do you have 24-7, right? What is your margin of error? Can your production be down for, for, for a minute or for an hour or for a day, right? So all those kind of things going to shape your environment and probably going to affect your hiring strategy, right? What kind of tooling do you have, by the way, right? Do you have <clears throat> only one language in your company or do you have multiple languages? Do you have mobile engineering? Do you have QA? What exactly do you have, right? Um, but I guess at the end of the day, uh, it boils down to very fundamental principles, right? So again, we touch base on uh, technology, one side of the all the story, and then another one is non-technology, right? So ways of working, attitude, aptitude, potential, growth potential, growth mindset, right? Um, I generally think that uh, tooling is very teachable skill set, let's say, right? And we, we all can agree, right? The tooling out there changing every every year or every second year or even like every half a year, new framework, sometimes new languages, new tooling, right? Uh, latestly greatest. Um, and we can learn that, right? It's nothing new, it's different title, different name, but essentially we can put a little bit of effort. We can learn that one, right? Uh, so I think we need to focus on the critical technology pillars. That could be one of the approaches, right? If you have 20 tools in your company, yeah, hiring going to be very difficult, but once you identify the most critical ones, it could, could be maybe like two or three. Maybe maybe five, right? If you've got more than five critical technology pillars, you might be doing something wrong. I don't know, but it's worth re reviewing, right? Because it's going to expand your kind of hiring experience. Maybe it's going to expand the amount of people you need, the amount of expertise you need, and things like that, right? So um, critical technology pillars, based on that, you can uh, say, okay, we need AWS engineer, right? Or Kubernetes engineer, or maybe security engineer. Great, done and dusted, right? uh hands-on experience you have to you have to right uh, scripting at least scripting we're not talking about software engineering but we're talking about scripting like bash python all your favorite languages that's going to be really great now uh, why because we want to scale through automation right we want to scale for automation scaling for people doesn't work you're going to exceed your budget very 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 quickly so that's the second one hands-on scripting experience is a mass is a must i think uh right and last one, not not last one, right? But the third one is probably going to be ways of working. And here we're going to be looking into, as Vikas already said, uh, kind of culture fit, how it's going to be working in your specific team or your specific organization for you, right? Within the current uh, team member setup, let's say, right? But also I would strongly advise for growth potential, growth mindset, right? Uh, engineers who are savvy about technology, who breathe technology, who just excited about technology, who excited talking about technology, bringing something new to the table, um, looking into new different opportunities, or sometimes maybe even challenging existing ones. Like, you know, why we have been doing this thing for like five years? Have we have we evaluated something something else, right? Uh, and it doesn't mean that you need to be really kind of, I guess, geeky in a way. You're still a like, normal human being, as 
we all are, we've got like hobbies outside of work, but work is a work and you need to be, I think, excited and live in what you do every day. Otherwise, like, what's the point to wake up and just, um, you know, look, look forward to the new day and new challenge. <laughs> yeah, I think we can all agree with that. Would anyone else like to add on to that? Um, if I can add, uh, I think Anton has covered from the engineering side of, so from, as a DevOps engineer, platform engineer, I think he's, he's gone 99.9% with the requirement set. I think what, uh, what I would like to add is for the lead side. So for example, if you are looking for a leader to join your team, I think we should look for someone who is, who is an advocate, advocate of DevOps engineering, having that vast experience. Um, doing platform engineering, DevOps, SRE, say, uh, development, and being in a different um, area in the software development lifecycle, I think that's really important. Um, and uh, and and having that advocate, it'll be easy to drive that conversation within the company. And I think it it'll be extremely good if you can have that person who can who can you know work well with not just within the team but with uh, other team other team members other team leads um, can understand the pain points so for example if um, developers have been constantly complaining that every time we have to deploy we have to run 10 scripts right and they have no clue right so that person it's it's really a, a good that person can you know spend some time unpack what those 10 scripts do where exactly they fail do we really need that chain sort of reaction right or can we just have everything done in a completely different way so having that mindset who will think out of the box not just you know go in a in a in a flow that okay these things have been done in this way it's been done 10 years ago and you just have to carry on the legacy i think it's having that sort of mindset um doing things uh, innovatively doing things differently and again um, having that sort of patient understanding, sitting with someone with some different teams and understanding what exactly their pain points are, and then you know taking that them out as a project and then working, um, that that's also very, extremely good as a as a lead. Yeah. I'll, yeah, I think Anton and they have pretty much covered one hundred percent on you know what we would be looking for for most part. Uh, I would probably slightly touch upon you know, the customer focus that we would be looking from the engineer's perspective. I think it's equally important to kind of think from the customer's shoe when you're actually building products and services for them. In this case, it could be the developers, it could be the platform engineers, the testers, you know, uh, anybody we are talking about. And I think Neha kind of completely covered it when she said, you know, we want the person to be sitting next to them and understanding uh, you know, how to kind of build the experience for a particular group of people. Right? And apart from that, I think having a, a way to influence people uh, is equally important. Um, I've actually seen that on most of the other roles. You don't have to be a leader to influence uh, any particular decisions or technology across the teams, right? It just is a personality of sort. And as long as you come with that personality, I think that would be a, a brilliant person to have on anybody's team. Thank you. You've all touched on mindsets. How do you all individually deal with team members who potentially do have a different mindset to the rest of the team? What are the challenges you face with that? Have you had past experience where you've learned to how to con- combat that? Dickens? Maybe I'll I'll go this time. Yeah. Uh, again, it's all human part of the technology, which is which is super important. Um, everyone comes from a different background. They have their own comfort zones, their own comfort tools, what they work on. 
But when someone joins the team, it's a team effort that needs to be done. And the person should be, in my opinion, should be a team player first. If he thinks of the team as one, then probably we can factor in some some ways of working by which you can um, you can actually inculcate in your ways of working like documentation, uh, training, sharing, whatnot. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, uh, other than that, uh, uh, what what you can uh, do more about it is like yeah, keeping keeping them keeping the person within the team who has a mindset which is not aligned with the team. Uh, you have a constant feedback with uh, you have a constant conversation with them. Try to understand what they are after because at the end of the day, not everyone can have uh, whatever they are comfortable with. They have. There, there may be cases where someone coming with a known expertise in a certain tool and has to deliver on something else. So that that uh, growth mindset also comes into play here. And you have to adapt and learn new things every now and then and uh, agree to disagree sometimes. <laughs> so people may come and want to deploy things in their own way, which you need to put a control upon because you have to adhere to company policies, government regulations, whatnot in different industries. So you cannot come as a highly skilled person and straight away doing things that the way you like. It has to be with the flavor or the mood of the company and adhere to what policies and securities they have because everyone has, have a different way of, way of working. So the, the only only way you can you can work on that is by constant feedback and making them understand what the bigger picture is, what the large goal is, and then giving them more opportunities in different areas so that they are also happy in their own current role. And you do not have that conflict of mindset that, okay, I don't want to do this. I like doing things this way and make it, make it, make them understand that, uh, maybe keeping the technology or keeping it super simple is the ideal way to go rather than over complicate things and making it difficult because it may be very easy or a or a snap of a finger for you but for someone coming from a different background or a snap of a finger for you but for someone coming from a different background may find it hard to you know uh grasp that uh piece of code and reverse engineer that and whatnot yeah so i think i'll pass it to neha if you want to add anything <laughs> that's a that's a very good point the last one and just i just recall some of the memories that you know looking at someone else's code with no documentation and just you know spending hours late nights trying to understand debug where the issue is yeah it could be a really big huge nightmare to be honest yeah and we should not as a devops and as a devops leaders and probably a spokesperson i think we never should have that sort of uh, culture if somebody is working on to certain piece it's always good to have a good thorough documentation understanding and that documentation needs to capture what what is it that we want to do uh, what's the requirement uh, what's the solution design looks like and all the detailed you know technical documentation it's, it's always good to have um, but I think in the team environment, um, uh, the other thing that uh, I, just, I personally include is um, conducting regular brainstorming sessions. 
So if someone is working on some co uh, complex piece, um, it's always good to unpack and always, you know, feel secure as well that, you know, th this is your idea you are presenting and and not to, you know, get just, I think it's, it's always good to create that sort of environment within the group. So you're presenting your idea at the same time you are seeking advice and not like a, not like in a, in a bad way and taking it like onboarding and how your solution design can be improved uh, by taking the advice. It also gives a, a platform for each one of us to, you know, present their ideas and share, not just always one person doing, doing that thing. So this is a, some practice that I think it really helps um, in my team, in DevOps team. And again, uh, now I'm talking about brainstorming in the DevOps, but now when you have, you have finalized the solution, you want to go live or you probably want to go in a development phase in a dev environment or for the test environment, final phase could be production environment. I think it's always good to then, you know, uh, advertise yourself and share with the wider audience. So have, um, we do um, weekly TikToks. Um, so in the weekly tech talk is the whole big technology group who will come, who will listen to your ideas. And again, now you have gone from a smaller DevOps group to a bigger audience. And then again, you can gain some feedback and yeah, um, I think that's something which is really helping my team and all always, you know, giving others to shine, not just one person presenting and, you know, be on the spotlight. Yeah. What are your point, point of view, Chetna? Um think this is something that we are practicing with our team right now, right? Uh, basically, what we do is uh, we have a few engineers who are really passionate about innovation, passionate about technology. We go away, we spike a few ideas, we regroup every week, we demo those ideas to each other and we kind of evaluate what value all of these additional tooling or, you know, and new process is actually bringing to the team. Um, I think this kind of helps us set up the team uh, to move towards a single goal, right? So it's like we have the idea of a one team, one dream kind of a goal that we are after. Um, it kind of fits very well into that idea. And when we, we come together, we kind of continuously use these sessions on, as a feedback loop so we can get enough feedback on the new technologies that we are actually uh, using and creating for our developers. And eventually, if there is a successful technology, we kind of bring that out of incubation period and we kind of make it a proper tool that we could actually adopt to the rest of the engineering. Um, that's kind of a process that we have been following. So my question would be for junior developers out there listening or a developer with years of experience who's just sort of stepped into a DevOps team or a platform engineering team, is there a piece of advice that you could give them? I know it's a very broad question. Um, Anything from your experience? You're obviously um, very experienced in in leadership roles. Okay, great. Yeah, it's a uh, it's amazing, amazing question. And um, uh, to be honest, I wish I um, I had something like this podcast back in the day when I was um, in my kind of junior years, right? I'm not complaining, but it would have been really, really helpful, I guess, right? Um, what what what? What would be the advice, right? Yeah, that, that's a good question. I'll, I'll go ahead with this. So one piece of advice, because uh, be open to learning, because even if you are, say, a seasoned uh, professional of like 15, 20 years, technologies are coming and changing the way um, everything was done. So whatever you learned, you have to, 
you have to unlearn but not unlearn in a way that the, those basic principles of whatever you have learned you forget but you build something on top of that which is the modern way of working but again like whatever experience you come from it doesn't go away keep that experience with you and then try to match up or try to make sense and visualize how the new uh, tech stack is working go through a lot of online courses there is uh, there is a lot of uh, udemy or what not there are a lot of uh, online portals that that are giving devops courses so be be ready to learn something new every day in this field and uh, and you cannot be expert in everything so try and pick a technology which you think you are more comfortable and which is more aligned to your uh, background that you already have and try to stick with it and just uh, yeah take baby steps learn learn uh, do some courses hands on try to do some certifications and then try to showcase it to organization and then uh, maybe move teams within your company try to find a better role and then move to devops or platform or sre of your own preference whatever you would like what are your thoughts neha I would say brace yourself for the roller coaster ride. <laughs> I mean, DevOps is like it was. It's it's changing. It's changing. The new tools and new technologies always up there. Cloud. There's so many services to learn, adopt, and and as you said, because you can't you can't be hundred percent. So you can't be just master of everything, and then you enter into DevOps world. You're just entering into DevOps world. So take your time and mm-hmm. and probably not to be not to feel overwhelmed. And the other thing is like you will never get bored if you have entered into DevOps world. You you're never going to get bored. Um, there are a lot of things for you to learn, um, to see, and also the the whole culture, the DevOps culture is excellent. And I don't think that culture is like sort of embedded in any other team, in dev team testing or in any other software development team. Uh, so I think it's a great great experience and it's a great career choice if you are making. Yeah, so go for it. Um, Anton, what do you think? Yeah, I think it's a it's a really great advice, right? Uh, <clears throat> on top of weakest one and and yours, I I can probably give two more. Um, as trivial as it sounds, like find a good mentor. Not not maybe a mentor like a single person. Doesn't have to be a single person, right? But find a, a good crowd of people to stick around, right? Um, so sometimes big names and the big companies aren't that good because at the end of the day you're still working with people and you're going to be as good as people around you, right? So find a good crowd of people, find us uh, a great, you know, I don't know, tech lead, for example, a senior engineer, a couple of them, and you know, every now and then just uh, have a conversation with them, take their advices, or just join this team, right? You're going to be growing together, right? Find those like-minded engineers with a growth potential and yeah, stick around. That's going to be really, really great, right? Um, another piece of advice, I think, uh, you, I think you need to be excited about work, right? So find a company or a team where there is a great fit between what you want to do, right? You want to do Python as an example, right? Great. Data engineering straight away, no brainer, right? Uh, and then company needs. Right. So if you have that overlap between what company needs every day, right, and what you want to do, you're going to be very successful straight away. Right. 
Um, otherwise, you're going to be like working, I don't know, in the .NET environment, right? But you always wanted to do a Python. Not going to work, right? Not going to work. A little bit of a waste of time, I guess. And then on top of Vikas 1, skills meta. Yeah, I. It, again, it's it's very contextual, right? What does it even mean, skills matter, right? Um, I think in the DevOps, again, in it cloud engineering squads, any squad which serves other engineering squads, skills matter for a couple of reasons. So first of all, you work with other software engineers and they are very smart, absolutely ridiculously smart, right? So this is why skills matter. You can't just pair or join a call with a fellow software engineer and then kind of come short a little bit, right? So skills matter, keep investing in the skills, right? Understand what's critical in the market nowadays, pick a few things and keep smashing. Right. But then secondly, depending on where you work, right, you may be working in a smaller startup, like kind of nine to five, but you may join a company where it's 24 seven and uh, downtime is very critical. And sometimes downtime can cost like the whole team's budget for two years. As simple as that. Right. So that's where skills again matter. Right. You really need to know your stuff before putting things on the production and then resolve those things. Right. So either way. Skills, great crowd of people, great mentorship, right? So you're not gonna have uh, you're not gonna have to do mistakes which already been done by other people. Gonna gonna go a long way. Gonna go a long way, I think. Yeah, I think I agree with everything everyone said. I don't think I have more to add. Uh, I would, however, say you know challenge yourself and uh, try to push yourself out of that comfort zone. I think that's one of the biggest things that uh, people kind of tend missing to do. Um, and that I think would give everybody a great growth opportunity uh, in their personal lives across everything that they would want. So I'm I'm going to end um, the podcast on a bit of a controversial question. Uh, so there's a lot of talk recently about platform engineering teams being sort of the latest craze or a bit of a buzzword. And I want to know what you'd all sort of say to those who suggest it, whether you agree or disagree with it. Okay, so that's, uh, again, yeah, as you said, it's a controversial, but uh, I think it's a good question. Everyone wants to hire uh, or uh, introduce a platform engineering team uh, in the organization for a reason, because DevOps team essentially are uh, overloaded with lot of, tons of tools and, and processes and uh, softwares to deal with. And Platform engineering will be uh, popular for a few coming years, just like DevOps was. But this is, and, and it can be, so it, so both will stay along with, with each other. It's just an augmentation and they both complement each other. The, the whole point of platform engineering becoming a thing in the future is to set up uh, reusable sort of patterns and standardized things where people who are actually delivering like the dev and ops people are very overloaded and someone needs to reduce their load and uh, companies are thinking to thinking in this direction maybe uh, this is the way to put more innovative features or uh, reduce when, when your developers are freed up with their existing load they're going to have more uh, mental peace and uh, they're going to deliver something far better than that than they were actually delivering at the the load that they had so this is going to stay and i think they are not going to contradict each other but actually complement each other in the future and this is going to stay in for a while uh over to chetna maybe yeah thanks because um 
I was just reading this up somewhere, right? And it says that DevOps is like a big mind shift change and platform engineering is like a tactical way of getting there. Right? And for, from what I can actually pursue and the teams that I have been part of, platform engineering has been an enabler for DevOps. Um, like Vikas mentioned, it definitely would be complementing each other and it's not kind of going to go away. Uh, anytime soon because I think we have teams and uh, enterprises kind of shifting away from having a single agile culture into a complete DevOps mindset. Right? As we kind of progress towards this journey, I think platform engineering and the skills that uh, different people bring to the table have uh, will be enhanced and I think platform engineering will kind of live along alongside DevOps um, as we progress. Right. Um, that's that would be my understanding. Definitely not controversial. It's the new thing, and it's here to stay. Is what I the way we put it. Uh, what do you think, Neha? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, we are very much aligned with our thoughts. Um, I would say a platform engineering is sort of extension of DevOps, right? So, and and they will go hand in hand. So, platform engineering, if you think, and the DevOps, you think that too. Even if you try and make them separate they are not sort of separate they are still kind of sticking together um and as Vishal, uh sorry Vikas was saying that um devops teams are overloaded there are so many things to do and if you look at the again the environment and it, it, it could be the complexity of the systems that you are building in your organization so let's say if you have six to ten environments that a devops team is managing it's just too much on them right so introducing uh platform engineering is is sort of and if I say, if I describe platform engineering, it's sort of a way of abstracting things. So for example, um, if you are in a microservice or a distributed sort of uh, environment, right? So uh, with with those environments, every devs would like to deploy their stuff, uh, you know, have those changes straight away from dev to uh, production quite quickly. But how the platforms team can help them is probably like uh, they can rather than thinking that okay how they are going to create the docker how what the docker file would look like how the he, he or she is going to deploy into the environment the platforms team can provide the abstract layer where there is a uh, there is a platform for them to utilize straight away the only thing that they have to fill up is probably a small config file and that config file can contain some secrets um, that you would need um, a region specific details where you want to deploy the stuff and that's all right so you don't have to worry about what's happening how the platform system is working how many scripts you have to run how many jobs you have to run or what all things you have to automate so platform engineers would help facilitate deployments um, and can probably give that sort of automated system for the developers to utilize and, you know, get their things going faster. And DevOps is like, it's it's a culture. It's going to stay. It's a practice you have to follow. And DevOps is sort of vast. vast. We are, ex you know, we are learning about DevSecOps, uh, which brings in security um, stuff inside. So it's, it's it's again, it's a it's a practice and it's a lot already. The DevOps book itself is very, very big. Um, so I think platform engineering and DevOps is like, they'll go hand on hand. It's not a buzzword, I would say. So not to panic, not to freak out or probably start learning on Google. Oh, let's learn platform engineering. No, it's 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 there. It's everywhere. It's in all the companies. It's all about how you how you manage and what is it that you will learn when you you know join the company. Yeah. Anton? Yeah, I can't agree more, I guess. We, again, covered 
99%, right? So we had a challenge between software and infra teams, and we kind of invented DevOps, right? Bridging gaps and uh, basically stitching two uh, teams together, right? And um, as everybody already highlighted, right? I guess two things, uh, cognitive overload, like modern cognitive overload is just enormous. It's just skyrocketing. Like look at the cloud, right? Azure AWS doesn't matter. Hundreds of services, right? Each service still has very unique behavior, right? How do you do that security? How do you do reliability? How do you do like, I don't know, cross region thing, right? Cost scaling, like, and it just for each service, right? Absolutely ridiculous exponential complexity, I'd say, right? Same thing, containerization. Kubernetes is not easy, right? It's absolutely ridiculously difficult, generally speaking, right? So let's let cognitive overload, right? Um, second one, um, scaling, scaling across hundreds of things. I keep going to that example. Uh, one microservice, two, three, five. Okay, um, 10, 20, 50. Uh, what do we do with 200? Uh, do we throw more people more money or do we like go for automation and unavoidably once you have that massive cognitive overload um once you need to operate at scale and you've got very limited budget all right not not unlimited let's say right your situation most likely very different to google big names aws atlassian all the kind of startup company um unicorns companies right technology let's say companies right uh you unavoidably need to uh, abstract away complexity so yeah, great. The world's people becoming platform engineers, abstracting away uh, complexity, cognitive overload, and scaling that automation across uh, hundreds of things, so dozens of teams. Here we go, right? But that said, um, it might be not the final answer for you in the sense that you may not even have that problem. You've got five people start up. Do you need it? No, absolutely not. You don't need DevOps, you don't need uh, platform engineering, right? Are you scale up, right? Are you scaling? Do you do you, do you you have that problem, right? Again, going to for a lot of amount of um, digital services, right? Yeah, great. DevOps, great platform engineering, right? And at that point, I think I would refer to boring technology approach with a, with a great post by Dan uh, McKinley. It's called Choose Boring Technology, right? And the key takeaway, I guess, for me, we need to be very smart on uh, not chasing latest and greatest because it's not going to be an answer sometimes for you, right? And you just can't get away with a very boring technology which exists in the market for 10 years, for 5 years. Nothing wrong with that one. Yeah, same, same here. Um, you need to figure out your problem and then figure out is DevOps going to be an answer for you right now? No, may, or maybe in a couple of years, right? And the same time as the platform engineering. Definitely don't chase it if it's um, if you don't have that problem. Just oh, yeah. one last bit I want to add, like there may be already teams who are adopting platform engineering without even knowing it. So there may be there may be people who are already platform engineering team, but they don't know it. So it's a it's a just just a different name. The concept was already there in the market. So. No, so it's it's not uh, that anything is going away. It's going to stay here. We're going to work uh, in harmony with each other. My final words. <laughs> Thank you. I think I wanted to cover uh, the monolith versus microservice and Anton in, in his last answer, he was pretty close touching that part. Um, if, if I'm allowed, Anton. I think you're very, very close. So uh, all I was, uh, all I was trying to say is that you know when we initially started our development 
um, processes um, and, and software engineering stuff. It was like monolith, right? Everything was monolith. And then we got this idea that everything can be, you know, modularized, can be microservice and all those things. And thinking that it will resolve our issues, right? It is resolving now. The time to market is fast. You can, you know, uh, bring down something. You can do blue-green deploy deployment and stuff. You don't have to bring down the whole platform down, right? But it's it is doing quite great, but it's also added quite complexity into in, into our system, right? So microservice development itself is like, you can do it in a million different ways. There are so many options. There's Kubernetes, Docker. There's so many ways you can do the deployments and containerize your um, services, right? And the other thing is the, the extra overhead, right? You have to learn this, you have to learn that. And again, how you're going to manage. And on top with the, you know, the, the cloud services, AWS, running serverless going lambda i mean the things are like just going out of control right so even for the platforms engineering space for the devops engineer the work is is enormous it's not going to you can't limit the work and looking at the way we are heading into you know that uh, technological diarrhea sort of situation <laughs> Right, it's it's not going to it's not going to put restriction on to anyone. I think everybody will be able to find their own space in in the world. Yeah, thank, thank you. you, Jan. Do you have anything else you'd like to add? Um, but I think I hundred percent agree with Anton. You know, when it comes to over engineering, you know, choose wisely. Do not over engineer. Uh, and I think platform engineering, irrespective, as Vikas mentioned, exists in some shape or form across multiple and different organizations, at least that uh, you know, I have noticed and I've been on. Um, so given that, uh, what we are actually looking and what Neha mentioned in terms of having the uh, the technological diarrhea as well, I think you know we need to be very um, diligent when we pick these technologies around platform engineering as well. And uh, we need to ensure that any technology that's being picked is to kind of reduce the cognitive load on our developers and to kind of make their life more fun and enjoyable when they start building any different type of services. Um, I, I think that would be my takeaway from this session. Um, definitely making sure that we align the platform engineering to have a goal of making developers' life fun and easy. Uh, yeah, thanks for that, everyone. Thank you. Yeah, before we end the podcast, I'd like to give a big thanks to Anton, Neha, Vikas and Chetna for sharing their thoughts on today's topic. 